This is Publishing Talks, a podcast about books in the publishing industry. This is David Wilk, your host. Today, I'm talking to Dan Harkey from Mayo Clinic Press in Rochester, Minnesota. How are you, Dan? I'm doing great, David. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty well. As we've been having some technology issues, a little bit distracting, but I think it's okay, hopefully. Um, so I'm really glad we got a chance to talk. People probably don't know very much about Mayo Clinic Press, but I'm guessing that most people who are hearing this know about Mayo Clinic. Um, without going into the long history of the Mayo Clinic itself, maybe you could talk a little bit about the organization and how Mayo Clinic Press uh, fits with a large uh, health providing uh, care entity like Mayo Clinic. Yeah, absolutely. So Mayo Clinic has been around for 150 plus years, founded by the Mayo Brothers and first positioned here in Rochester, Minnesota. And we have three main campuses that we call Destination Medical Centers here in Rochester, Arizona and the Phoenix, Scottsdale area, and then Jacksonville, Florida. We also have international sites in Abu Dhabi as well, and also London. And Mayo Clinic Press is, is positioned under the Department of Marketing within Mayo Clinic. And really, we're positioned to do a couple of things for the clinic is extend our knowledge and expertise, create relationships with individuals, and at the same time, being able to help them outside of the four walls here at Mayo Clinic. Not everybody can be seen here at Mayo Clinic, but everybody can, you know, can really be impacted by the content that we produce. And so that's part of our mission. The other part of our mission is to be a RevGen products and services area under Mayo Clinic that could potentially bring in diversified revenue and net operating income to relieve some of the stress off of our clinical practice. So hopefully that helps kind of uh, provide an overview as to Mayo Clinic Press and, and how we fit in with Mayo Clinic. But really, we're really trying to touch people outside of the four walls of Mayo Clinic using our publishing vehicle to do that. Right. Well, and one of the things that has really interested me about Mayo is the fact that it's so thoroughly mission driven. And, you know, you, I've talked to you in the past and you've often brought this up as an important characteristic, not just of the institution, but how it makes you think, act, and operate, you know, in terms of the work that you do. Um, and there are other mission driven publishers. I know that, but it's really a key element of everything that uh, you do. It's a kind of organizing principle. You know, it's really impressive that Mayo has been able to maintain that value system for so long. And the books and the publishing really express that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mayo Clinic for the longest time and currently kind of its motto or mission statement is needs of the patient come first. And so everything that Mayo Clinic does is centered around the patient providing the best experience for the patient with the best care with the best clinical outcomes and how does that translate to mayo clinic press well we can translate that into everything's about our readers people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it and and that needs to start with myself it needs to start with our employees and it needs to start with everybody that um, touches mayo clinic press that includes our marketing that includes our product that includes everything has to be centered around the consumer, in this case, our readers, and truly empathizing with them 
and truly being passionate around having our content be able to hopefully make an impact in their lives. And in some cases, truly make a a tangible life and death difference in their lives. We have heard so many times with our Mayo Clinic Health Letter, which is an eight-page general health newsletter for an older audience, that some article that an individual read prompted them to go be seen at their local provider and brought up something that was life-threatening. And without reading our content, they would not have went and pursued whatever they felt like they needed to go be seen for. And so just like, those are stories that we love to hear, you know, when we hop on Amazon and we're reading our reviews or we're hopping or we're talking to our readers, talking about our content and how it impacts their lives, being able to hear about how our content can truly, truly impact their lives and their well-being and empower them to take more control over the healthcare is truly rewarding and really the main reason that I do what I do here at Mailflight Press. So what's really interesting to me about that is that it creates not only that joy that you can feel and you know you've really touched people's lives in important ways, but it also makes it, uh, gives you a responsibility. Um, now, every writer, every publisher, every editor has a responsibility to the work and to serving the needs of the reader. But I think when you're talking about health and you mentioned life and death, um, you know, that does actually put a different element in play you know, it changes the way you think about what you publish too and how you publish that. In other words, I mean, in the mundane ways that every word has to be looked at carefully because in medical writing, the movement of a comma or the placement of a period could actually make a difference to the meaning. And meaning is crucial um, when you're conveying health information, medical information. Um, How does that feel? You know, how does that Uh, change the way you operate or do you just absorb that as a kind of part of the mission it's part of what you do it informs how the press operates uh, so you don't think about it that much or is it something that you really do think about all the time yeah it's something that we truly think about and talk about pretty much every single day we talk when we're talking strategy and and where we want to go when we're talking about acquiring a book, when we're talking about an article, when we're talking about publishing on a on a polarizing topic, it's all in the spirit of reliability, trustworthiness, and being best in class and a beacon of hope and some publisher that people point to and be like, when I want trusted, reliable health information, I want to go to Mayo Clinic Press because I know I can trust it. I know it's actionable. I know it's written in in plain language so I can comprehend. And I know that at the end of the day, it's going to empower me to hopefully translate that into something that I can do tangibly to my life or to my loved one to hopefully rectify or help or improve something that I'm currently dealing with. If we ever lose that, then then we're just another publisher. And we don't want to just be another publisher. We want to be that, that best-in-class end-of-one publisher that people point to and be like, if you want to publish a book, if you want to read content, you go to Mayo Clinic Press. And another thing that I want to touch on is, is one of the reasons that myself and, and the team is so passionate about what we do is, is it's, it's one thing with the Mayo Clinic that you can actually kind of touch people and touch patients. Outside of being an MD or a nurse or any kind of patient care staff, you can obviously influence and touch patients, which is truly remarkable and valuable. But for us business professionals in a health setting, if I'm an accountant or I'm in 
finance or I'm in some more business type job, it's hard for me to influence and touch patients, which is all about Mayo Clinic. But in publishing, you truly can. You can truly touch them and influence their well-being and truly make an impact on their lives, which is special. No, I think that's important. I think that it's a differentiator, but it also, I think in a lot of, even in regular publishing, people are driven by mission. You know, they feel really motivated to be in the book business because of the power of words or the, the fact that literature can change lives. And, you know, that's, I think that's common, but it's also not as acutely focused as it is at Mayo. And, you know, I think also without being critical of, you know, general business oriented publishers or trade oriented publishers, it's easier to forget. You know, it's easier to get subsumed into the daily day to day, into the work and, and the flow of business and marketing and selling books. It's, you, it's easier to lose touch with the spiritual or kind of uh, value based thinking that got you there in the first place. Uh, and again, that's not to be critical of anybody, uh, but it, I think it, it isn't uh, something I've noticed at Mayo and a few other publishers whose work is driven by the value of the, of the work they do completely. And, um, you know, that it just, it is a differentiator for you. Absolutely. It also leads me to another thing I wanted to ask you about. This is going to be a bifurcated question, so we could probably address one part of it first and then the second part after that. Um, you know, for a long time, I know Mayo has published uh, mostly books in consumer health, and this sort of interesting environment has developed over the last 20 years. You know, Mayo Clinic is probably one of the leading providers of information online. You know, you and WebMD and Cleveland Clinic, but primarily, Mayo, you know, you, your website is just incredibly rich and full of information. And I, you know, for a lot of publishers, I think there's always the worry like, well, will people still want books if they can get all this stuff on the web? And you've proven that people will still buy books, that, you know, people still subscribe to the newsletter, that there is a value to the container format, you know, the, the, um, uh, or the curatorial element that a book can provide, um, you know, the focus that a book can provide as opposed to a website. But, you know, I kind of want you to, I'm kind of saying this in order to find out if you agree with that supposition that the, the web is one thing, the books are another, and they don't necessarily cancel each other out in any way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, from our perspective, they complement one another. If you help on mailplay.org, it's it's great content. It's you know, it's world renowned. It competes with the WebMDs and the health lines of the world and Cleveland Clinics beginning to make an appearance in that space. And that's more of like a general health information for health seekers that really want a quick fix in regards to whatever answers that they're trying to find. And maybe my kid has a rash and I want to understand if it's something serious or not. So I hop my phone in and I land on mayoclinic.org and it serves a great purpose. However, it's very broad, but it's not very deep. And, and we know from talking to our consumers and just from running a business that when you're dealing with something that's serious, you want, you want breadth, but you also want to dig a little deeper and you want to understand as much as you can about that condition or that disease or that treatment, et cetera. So 
so I, they can complement one another. An individual lands on the site, they read a little bit. What is that next best action for that individual? It potentially could be a piece of our content. It doesn't always need to be a book. It can be one of our podcasts. It can be one of our articles, which is more journalistic in nature, it takes a deeper dive and a different angle to the content that you're going to find on mailclinic.org. It's more conversational. I will say it's a little more playful and a little more easier to read, a little more entertaining, and it all serves a purpose. And it's all and it's all in the spirit of providing the individual with the content that they need in the format that they want it in and at the time that they need it. And hopefully over time, we can personalize more and more of this content for them. So that's how we kind of think about it here at Mayo Clinic is Mayo Clinic Press is really taking that taking it to the next level. And not everybody wants that. And, and mailclinic.org serves a great purpose for billions of people and, and will continue to do so. But I think you'll see Mayo Clinic Press complementing that experience more and more as we move on. And does that, again, another leading question. This is where I wanted to talk about uh, and kind of the perfect lead-in to talking about what is a book publisher? What is a publisher in the world as it's emerging and changing so rapidly? We say book publisher, but I think you think in more uh, broad terms, just as what you were saying a minute ago, that you're aiming to deliver um, information and knowledge uh, to people where, where they are when they need it. That may mean not necessarily always a book. Um, you know, it does open up this idea of could it be a short form ebook uh, sometime or a podcast, as you said. And but then the question is, how do you make that a commercial proposition? Like, how does that work? And I know we, you and I have talked about that in other occasions. Like, you know, is it a subscription model as opposed to buying a single book at a time? You know, or is it is the future a print book? And you get the ebook, and the ebook can change with uh, uh, more rapidly than the print book can. So you get your updates in ebook form. I mean, I know you think about this stuff, um, and I'm kind of curious to know what your current thinking is. Yeah, we we began as a eight page newsletter, Mail Clinic Healthwire, which is still in print today, and a book author, and and that's our foundation, and that's our history, and that'll always be kind of the main foundation of our business. And, and as we think about creating content and providing that in the format that individuals wanted at, we need to be able to, to provide information to people, like I said previously, in the format they, they want it, the time that they need it, and how they want it delivered to them. And how we think about it internally is, is a book, is a 350, 50 page book on arthritis is serves the purpose for a lot of people, but not everybody. Maybe an individual wants that chunked up in little more bite-sized chunks and they want to experience that via audio or they want to experience that via video because they're more hands-on or they like to learn by watching. We are we really want to get to a point where we're delivering our content in multiple formats so we can serve all of our audiences. And really, it's going to take time to get there. But in a perfect world, that's who we are, where books are the foundation of our business. And they always will be. There's other publishers out there that are very heavy media and light on books. I think books are always going to be a big part of our business. 
but I, th- I think it needs, I think the, the percentage of time that we spend on publishing books, an equal percentage of that needs to be spent on how do we take that information and repurpose it and repackage it into something that others want to consume as well. Podcast, audio, video, potentially animation, illustrations, etc. And so that's how we're thinking about it. And, you know, if you, if, if you go on mcpress.mailplink.org, you'll begin to see a little bit of that. Now we're maturing as a more multimedia publisher, but you'll begin to understand how, how we're trying to do that. I mean, a book can turn into so many, so many pieces of content. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, it does. I, I think it, I think we're at an, at an, a stage in the development of publishing where some things that could happen haven't happened yet. Yeah, and- absolutely. Absolutely. And oh, one other thing that I wanted to mention is, is I always challenge the team often, how, what can we do to just not disrupt publishing, but does everything like, does every book need to take 18 months to get to market? Like, because when people want health information, they want it now, they can't wait a year for a book to come out. So how can we turn that around quicker and I think ebooks are a potential mm-hmm. way to do it is we come out to market first with our ebook with print to follow, for example. But that may be a potential way to get out to market quicker. Or maybe we get it out to market quicker in some shorter form articles, which then we package together to some kind of book. But we have to be able speed to market with quality not being right. hindered, speed to market with still high quality and trusted reliability. Like we we need to solve that puzzle. We haven't yet, but it's something we're focused on. I think that's a really important point. I think that's something that when you talk to people today who are, let's say, younger, younger consumers, younger writers, they're really frustrated by how long it takes to make and publish a book. And there are reasons for some of it. I mean, it takes a certain amount of time to edit um, a serious book, but not to mention how long it takes to write the book, but I agree with you. I think the book industry in general, publishers in specific, need to find ways to short circuit the traditional publishing schedule because I don't think that works as well for every book. And there are some books which have to take a long time. I mean, one of the things about Mayo is that you you have to keep books edited for the um, changing medical information so that you have to keep track of the life cycle of information. So, you know, on some level, if some, if you're publishing in an area that's really changing rapidly, um, you're almost obliged to change the schedule. Um, you know, and, and, but then you have the economics. If it costs you X amount of dollars to produce a book and you need a few years to get your money back because the cost of editorial in medical books is pretty high. Um, if you have to keep, re, you know, re-editing it every six months, that could be a real challenge. Absolutely. And one thing that you'll see being published by Mail Clinic Press next year is AI and machine learning as it pertains to health and healthcare. And I think about that is how can we leverage AI and machine learning to produce content? Now, right. that's that's tricky. And it's it's something that we <laughs> have to die very controversial because you know we're we want to be trusted we want to be reliable we want to be authentic and we want to be 
best in class and does machine learning and AI get us there or not? And But I think at some point down the road, and you're seeing it already, right? There's a lot of audio out there, you, for example, leveraging the Amazon Poly technology, which is machine-driven voice technology. For And it's the experience is decent on like shorter form article type content, but that hasn't translated very well into, for example, audiobooks. Right. That, that'd be a way if at a point where you could potentially scale audiobook production using AI and machine learning, and it's actually to your ear, it actually sounds like an actual voice and not like right. a machine robot type voice, which it does today. So a longer form book, especially like a fiction novel, not a great experience, but it will get better. The technology will get better. And so I see that playing a big role as, you know, as, as we move on here, as publishing evolves. I think the other thing that I've thought of, and I don't know whether you, you could imagine doing this, but why couldn't a doctor write a chapter of a book or a writer could write a chapter of a book by speaking into a microphone, recording it in an, in an app on a phone and having AI uh, transcribe it. And you could even then have AI <laughs> proofread it and correct it and send it back to the author for finalization. Because obviously there isn't 100% certainty that machine can capture the complete nuance or uh, uh, you know or transcribe what you said for especially a technical word perfectly but it would still get you 98 percent of the way there and that might be faster than typing um you know doing page uh, typesetting page layout i mean i think you're right i think that, you know for a lot of us who have grown up with human hands doing this work uh, it can be a little uh, upsetting let's say to imagine being made obsolete just the way people are made obsolete by robots in factories but mm -hmm. yep. you know, it, it's happening. And um, there are some jobs that can become com combinations of human and AI. Yeah. Um, and that would make them happen faster. And that would be, to your point, a way of getting a book to market much more quickly. And, and that also helps overcome some of the supply chain problems that we are all uh, having today. You know, that, I mean, that just gets you to, I think there will be advances in digital printing that may alter that landscape over the next 10 years, because it is so difficult right now to scale, uh, printing with, um, the technology, you know, with the paper issues and the labor issues that traditional printers have. So, you know, uh, as the saying goes, necessity is the mother of invention. And there's a lot of necessity out there. Um, that could create a lot of invention for, uh, for all of us. Well, I have a feeling that we have run out of time. I'm looking at the clock. I know you've got to go. Um, and I think we've only touched on what we want to talk about. So let's call this part one of a two part conversation. That sounds great. Um, and we'll, we'll continue. So this has been publishing talks, a podcast about books in the publishing industry. I've been talking to Dan Harkey from Mayo Clinic Press uh, about the future of publishing as well as the present uh, story of Mayo Clinic. Thank you. Thank you for having me.